I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello, and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the only podcast dedicated to plant based cookbooks. I'm your host, Dustin Harder, and I'm flying solo today. No interview, just me pulling a book off the shelf and taking a closer look. And we're chatting about an amazing author today who has such a variety of books out there in the vegan landscape, Robin Robertson. We're going to talk about the plant-based slow cooker, 225 super tasty vegan recipes. And I'm doing these solo episodes because, you know, it's a lot to schedule interviews all the time. And, and sometimes authors aren't interested, but they still have a great book I want to talk about. Or sometimes authors, their authors aren't into doing podcasts. Or what if even the author is dead and their book is out and I want to talk about it. So this gives us a great opportunity for me to look at books uh, without relying on scheduling an interview all the time. In Robin's case, she's lovely. She has responded. She's just not interested in doing podcasts. And that's okay. That's not a reason for me. That I need to share still the wonderful works by Robin Robertson because there are so many. This will not be the first one that we visit from Robin. I can promise you that. So let's learn a little more about Robin, shall we? Robin Robertson worked for many years as a restaurant chef in Pennsylvania and Charleston, South Carolina before she began writing cookbooks. In 1988, she left the restaurant business and became vegan for ethical reasons. She then re- rededicated her life to writing and teaching others about vegan cooking. We love that. Over the years, she has fine-tuned her plant-based diet into an eclectic and healthful cooking style, which she thinks of as a creative adventure with an emphasis on the vibrant flavors of global cuisines and fresh ingredients. Robin is the author of more than 20 cookbooks. You heard it here. And this is from the bio on her website. Hope if, if, if this is recently updated. What if it's 30 now? She's done so many cookbooks, including the best-selling Vegan Planet, 1000 Vegan Recipes, Veganize It, Love Veganize It, Vegan on the Cheap. Vegan on the Cheap, you guys, was one of my first vegan cookbooks I ever got. And when I, I actually lost my first copy of it, which I'm devastated about because I had written all over in it and there were little post-its all over in it, but I love it so much. I've ordered another copy. I have a new copy of it. Uh, So Vegan on the Cheap was the name of that one. Quick Fix Vegan, One Dish Vegan, and Vegan Without Borders. She also wrote the Global Vegan column for Veg News Magazine for 10 years and was a contributing editor and columnist for Vegetarian Times. She has also written articles for Cooking Light, Natural Health, Better Nutrition, Restaurant Business, and other magazines. Robin Robertson has the professional experience in classic contemporary international cuisines to show you how to use plant-based ingredients to make family favorites you grew up with and learn the secrets of exotic international cuisines as well. So I love this. Robin has been doing it for years. She's been writing these books for years. Before that, she was working professionally in the restaurant. So let's just uh, dive in. Take a closer look here. That's what it's all about, these books, right? Today, I'm going to take a look at her book, The Plant-Based Slow Slow Cooker, 225 Super Tasty Vegan Recipes. I have made a few from here. Um, And, you know, it's Robin. It all comes out great. The, and, and the intro in this book starts off uh, with slow cooker basics, saying, you know, 10 great things to know about the slow cooker. So why don't we just start with that? What are 10 great things to know about the slow cooker? I just got to find it here. 10 great things to know about the slow cooker. I had a post-it on here and I lost it, y'all. What can you do? What can you do? Tips for slow cooking success. Need to extend the cooking time, slow cooking timing factors. She really goes into so much in here. 
gosh, I can't find it now. I should have kept that post in the book. 10 things to know about your slow cooker. Okay, it's a convenient way to prepare healthy home-cooked meals. That's number one. Two, it allows you to cook and serve in the same vessel, so it saves on cleanup time. I love that about a slow cooker. Also, I should tell you I chose this book today because I freaking love a slow cooker. And she gets into it in here. She talks about Instapot versus slow cooker. I'll get a little more into that, but I agree with her 100%. Uh, It can have dinner ready and waiting for you at the end of the day. My mom used to put a slow cooker on in the morning and we'd come home from school and everything smelled tasty and then I'd have to wait a couple more hours until my mom came home and then we got to have dinner. Uh, But I do remember these slow cookers as a kid. My mom always had one. The slow and gentle cooking adds depth of flavor to foods. It keeps the kitchen cool on hot days. She talks about using it as an oven at one point in the book um, where you're slowly cooking the food. Slow cooker. Uh, uh, uh. But that way you're keeping the kitchen cool on summer days. It's an ideal way to cook beans and seitan from scratch. Would have never thought of that. Uh, because I am always thinking pressure cooker for beans. Um, and then seitan, I, I, I just do whatever I'm told to do with seitan. My way is to uh, simmer seitan on the stove, but I, I try a bunch of different ways from a bunch of different cookbooks, right? Um, there's no one, no one way is the right way with seitan, I guess. There's lots of ways. Uh, it doubles as a chafing dish or hot punch bowl at parties, and she does get into beverages in this book. It's economical because it uses less energy than oven cooking and makes great leftovers. It can be used as a mini oven to slow bake cakes, casseroles, potatoes, and more. She's got lots of cakes in here that I cannot wait to try. Um, And it frees up stovetop burners when cooking for parties or for a crowd on holidays. And I will say, my mom always used to do, my mom always still does a crock pot. She does a mac and cheese in a crock pot, which I've taken and veganized. It's up on the, at the Vegan Roadie Instagram. Um, I think I've pinned it to the top even. There's a real super simple, super simple slow cooker mac and cheese um, available on the Instagram but also my mom always would serve meatballs at holiday parties in a slow cooker. So they really are helpful in those situations. And I still tend to do it too. I'll make meatballs and serve them at a party. And I even have like a little, uh, it's not a fondue pot, but it's like a little, like a little mini dipper uh, crock pot that I use and love. I'll put a spinach artichoke dip in it. I'll put a queso in it. That way you've got a hot little dip there at your hot little dip, hot little dish besides me. That is you got a hot little dip at your party that you can serve, uh, you know, hot and ready as needed. So we've got the intro here. It talks about different shapes and sizes of slow cookers and also slow cookers versus the Instapot, which which I uh, mentioned. She really talks about how Instapots have all of these functions and all of these buttons. Um, But she also talks about how pressure cooking is best with an Instant Pot. And Flavors are better when cooked long and slow in a slow cooker. And she loves both for what they do best. And I just have to say, cheers to that. I agree. I will pull out my Instant Pot. The things I make in my Instant Pot are rice and beans. Those That is like the majority of what I make in my Instant Pot. I don't think that I'm not getting the best use of it. Those things, I time and time again, have saved me so much time. In my slow cooker, I'll make full-on like meals. Like out of this book, I just made a tempeh cacciatore, right? And instead of it just being the tempeh cacciatore, I tossed pasta in for the last like 20 minutes. So then I had this tempeh cacciatore pasta suddenly, and it just sort of slow cooked throughout the day. Uh, But we'll get into the dishes I've made from here and some other ones that uh, she talks about, obviously. Uh, She also writes about ingredient uh, volume versus the size of the slow cooker, becoming a slow cooker expert easily. Uh, She's got tips for becoming an expert. Uh, She talks about cooking times and offers up some pointers for slow cooking with success. 
Uh, there really is a great list of bullet point items for all of these things, including cooking hard vegetables, easy cleaning, uh, easy cleanup, sauteing before slow cooking on occasion to optimize flavor. So a little saute before you do the slow cook. She goes over ways to thicken liquids if you find something has too much liquid content. And I love this. She gets into specifics on cooking plant-based proteins. So cooking plant-based proteins in your slow cooker, like tempeh, tofu, beans, soy curls. She even offers a something for everyone uh, approach here with different bullet points for gluten-free, oil-free, and soy-free. We love an all-inclusive approach at Keep On Cooking, right? Like the more we can sort of uh, reach everyone with different tastes and uh, specifications, the better. But let's get into the book, shall we? That's the intro. I guess you'd call that chapter one. And chapter two, after the introduction, is snacks and appetizers. And the first one to catch my eye in here is the creamy artichoke and spinach dip. I love spinach. I mean, I call it spinach artichoke dip, but in here it's called creamy warm and creamy artichoke spinach dip. And it's pretty straightforward with spinach, artichokes, and a few... uh, bits and bobs like lemon juice, hot sauce, nutritional yeast, and then a cashew cream cheese from the back of the book. So using a staple from the back of the book, cashew cream cheese, I'm sure you could use store-bought vegan cream cheese if you wanted to. Um, But you know, this recipe has everything you want. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. Hold on. This is not ASMR. What is that? ASMR. This is not ASMR. It's just me needing some caffeine. Hey-o. Um... Now, of interest in here, there is one called the Sweet and Savory Wiener Balls. So let's just peel this open. Page 45, the Sweet and Salty Wiener Balls. Let's see what we got here. Oh, sorry, they're the artisanal sweet and, sweet and spicy wiener balls. She says, remember the first time you tried one of those little Smokies or mini hot dogs simmered in a mystery sweet and sour sauce and then found out the sauce was made with grape jelly and chili sauce? I do know what she's talking about, but I don't think I ever really indulged in that much. But this version, but maybe that hits for some of you. This version improves upon the original with homemade ketchup and, and uh, marmalade and tasty vegan wiener balls. For a shortcut version, use purchased marmalade and ketchup and your favorite plant-based sausage links cut into one-inch pieces. So in this, she's going to use white beans, broth, liquid smoke, paprika, onion powder, garlic powder, salt, ground, uh, black pepper. And then she's doing wheat gluten. So it appears she is making the, yeah, she's making us a little bit. She's making these uh, little wiener balls from scratch here. How fun is that? And then she's going to simmer them in the orange marmalade and the, the ketchup. Rice vinegar and chipotle in adobe. Okay, these actually sound delicious. I didn't realize it was going to be a meatball or a wiener. A wiener made from scratch. But of course, she gives you your shortcut. You can get sausage if you want. Or you could probably even get vegan wieners. I love the field roast frankfurters if I were to go for a store-bought vegan hot dog. But can't find those much anymore. Now it's usually the field roast stadium dog. Not as big a fan of that, but it is what it is. Also, so I was looking through this and I saw what seemed an unusual slow cooker recipe to me. It's the 
seven spice cashew nuts. I was like, nuts in a slow cooker? What is she talking about? Um, but then I started making them, right? So I put all the spices in. I just got, I was like, well, let's dive in. Yes, and. So I put in the cumin, the coriander, salt, sweet, sweet paprika, cayenne pepper, ginger, allspice. And then I poured that maple syrup in and I whisked it all up. And then I saw that it called for four cups of cashews. Now listen. This is a great lesson of reading your recipe in its entirety ahead of time. I just saw cashews and surely I thought, well, it's going to be like a cup or something. Four cups. I only had one cup of cashews. So what I did was I tossed in, I had some sunflower seeds and pepitas and some almonds. And she even says at the end of it, she says, almonds are another great one for this. So I did that. It was two hours essentially um, of stirring them. I stirred them like every 20 minutes or so. And then I poured them onto a sheet pan and just let them cool for a little bit. And they are delicious. They're not too sweet. They're not too salty. They're not too spicy. They are just right. So we've got this, uh, delicious seven spice cashew nuts. I believe she's got some pecans in there as well. Other items from this chapter, spicy tomato queso dip, warm, and we said it, the warm and creamy artichoke spinach dip, smoke and chipotle bean dip, golden summer cabanada, bruschetta, sherried mushroom crostini, and savory Mediterranean cheesecake. Come on, and even upcountry pate, upcountry pate, something you eat in the country that's up. Uh, Chapter three is soups that satisfy. So listen, I love me some soups, right? Love, love, love me a good soup. And this book is full of them. So many. Some of these chapters have a lot of recipes in them. It's 225 recipes you're getting all said and done. So chapter three is soups that satisfy. And some of my favorites that are included in the list already are the Cuban black bean soup, smoky split pea soup, chipotle corn chowder, spicy tortilla soup, caramelized onion soup and the caramelizing of this. So she caramelizes the onions in the slow cooker for a couple hours. That's how she does the caramelization. And then she adds everything else. Oh, not a couple hours. She's she's slow cooking those all day. My notes here. She's slow cooking those onions for eight hours, y'all. That's how she's getting her caramel. So just set it and forget it. And then you're going to have some caramelized onions. And then you're adding all of your other dry and wet ingredients to it later in the day. And they're going to sit for 45 minutes. So like, does it get any better than that? Like, come on. The list goes on here. Listen, North African chickpea soup, red bean gumbo, baked potato soup, callaloo soup, four-way tomato soup, cabbage and yellow beet borscht, wild mushroom soup with barley. And let's take a closer look at a couple. couple. So we've got a slow cooker pho. And I kind of thought, well, is that, are we cooking all the vegetables at once or what's happening here? Let's, let's check, take a look at our header and see what Robin has to say. See what Robin has to say about this slow cooker pho. Pho is addictively delicious Vietnamese noodle soup. Trouble is, traditional pho is usually made with beef broth. When made in a slow cooker, however, this vegan version has the same great flavors of the classic pho without being heavy or greasy. Love that. Thank you, Robin. The result is light and flavorful. And it's a soup filled with chewy noodles and seitan, bold seasonings, and a combination of raw and cooked vegetables. For a gluten-free version, omit the seitan and substitute strips of sautéed extra-firm 
tofu, or soy curls. So we've got all the delicious spices in here, anise, cloves, ginger, then we've got onion, garlic, vegetable broth, soy sauce, hoisin sauce, so you're really getting some delicate, delicious flavors in there, and a dark miso paste in this, so that's going to give a richer umami flavor in there. We love that. Topped with some cilantro, bean sprouts, seitan in there for a little tofu punch or extra firm tofu, she says. So that really sounds like a delicious pho. I do love a pho. I've never been obsessed with it. Some people love pho. To me, it's just like another soup. I love it. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm not clamoring for it. But after this, I'm kind of kind of interested in now. Now she's also got a she's got the baked potato soup in here, but she also has a miso potato soup. And she says at this, I'd always enjoyed miso soup and potato soup as two separate entities until my neighbor served me a delicious soup that combines them both. What? Now I'm hooked, it says. And so am I without even making it. I can tell you I'm hooked right now. A miso potato soup. I am so here for it. Um, it's, it's, you know, a potato soup with some cabbage and potatoes and onion, kombu, water, soy sauce, ground black pepper, I mean, white miso paste, chopped scallions. There's not much to it. That's less than 10 ingredients. I need to make this soup. I need it in my life. How many potatoes do I have on here? Two large russet potatoes. I think I only have sweet potatoes right now. Do we think a miso sweet potato soup would be good? I'm not going to do that. I want the I want it as is. That's how I am with these cookbooks. I don't know how are you at home. Like I can easily take things and do variations. And I certainly recommend that, you know, once you get cooking and you know what you like and you try a recipe and you're like, oh, I like this one thing, but maybe I want to try this. I say go for it. But like, I love these books because I love to know what the author actually came up with. Nothing breaks my heart more than when someone comes up to me and they say, oh, I made your recipe from your book, but I didn't have this. So I use this instead. And I didn't have this. So I use this instead. And then I don't like this thing. So I made this then you didn't make my recipe. And I'm okay with that. But like, you just went rogue. You totally went rogue. Um, So especially if someone says, I didn't really like it, but I did all these things. I'm like, well, you didn't do it as I said, (laughs) is the thing. Um, If you did it exactly as I said, and then you don't like it, I receive, I can hear that. But if you're like, just uh, going all willy nilly in there and telling me you don't like it, that's not on me. That is not on me. Chapter four is stews and chilies. I'm also a fan of those. Nice and hearty. Some of these include the Brunswick bean stew, farm stand stew, which she encourages the home cook to mix and match the vegetables according to what you have on hand and your preferences. Creole style jambalaya, Italian style vegetable stew, African inspired peanut stew, lentil and chickpea curry, seitan stroganoff. Come on now. White chili, three lentil chili. And let's take a closer look at this. Happy New Year, Chili. Do, do you guys know what that is? And and I just don't know. Should I know this already? It says, inspired by two Southern specialties, dirty rice and hop and john, this chili is a great way to begin the new year. It's ideal, accompanied by the collards on page 221, to mellow the flavor of the tempeh. Steam it for 15 minutes before using it in the recipe. Instead of tempeh, you may substitute one to two cups of finely chopped seitan, which would make the chili soy-free. Or sliced plant-based sausage links. So she's got options for you there. So is it Hop and John's like a, a New Year thing, right? So I guess maybe that's the combination, the Hop and John and the dirty rice. Perhaps that makes it the New Year chili. Someone DM me and tell me what I'm missing here. Though I think I got it, right? Hop and John's a New Year's thing, right? I think I got it. Uh, what else we got? Ooh, cornbread topped chili. Let's talk about that. I'm guessing this is a delicious chili made with 
cornbread batter on top that you're going to let sit. And then you've got a nice, delicious cornbread top chili you can just like put a big old spoon into. I'm here for it. It says from the words of Robin, the steamy heat off the slow cooker allows the cornbread to cook right on top of the simmering vegetables. Spooning the cornbread batter onto the vegetables gives it a rustic look. You can make this chili as mild or as spicy as you like, depending on the heat of the chili powder you use and the addition of your choice of mild or hot green chilies. For soy-free, omit the soy sauce and use soy-free sauce. A recipe she has in here, by the way, for soy-free soy sauce, which a lot of people need. I love that. Or coconut aminos. Or add some soy-free vegetable broth base as a uh, base or additional salt. Now listen, I love me putting some bread in a slow cooker. It is something I discovered with this book and I love it so much. So I am, I am obsessed with this recipe already. I have a recipe for a vegetable, uh, a vegetable stew, a vegetable lentil stew with dumplings on top of it. And I'm just, I'm obsessed with that. Like I just love dumplings and cornbread. Just put it on top and then put the top on, walk away for an hour or so. And you come back and you have a delicious bread on top. And that serves and satisfies so many people. You know what I mean? That's such a a lovely, uh, just weeknight meal to have. Say you set that chili in there on low, you go to work all day, then you come home and you just mix up that batter really quick, put it on the top, get yourself, you know, ready for the night in your pajamas or whatever you're doing. And then you got dinner. You know, or do the laundry, do you know the things you got to do when you get home instead of worrying about making dinner. Robin sets you up for some batch cooking and maybe meal prep success with chapter five. This is beans and grains here. We've got basic beans, variations on beans with Southwest Asian and Mediterranean, smoky molasses, maple, baked beans. Come on. Barbecue beans with coffee and bourbon. Are we into it? Coffee and bourbon, barbecue baked beans. Crockery cassoulet. Two lentil dal. I just love the word cassoulet. Don't you? Haven't you always loved it? Crockery cassoulet. Two lentil dal. Slow and spicy sloppy joes using lentils for the base. Dirty John quinoa. Artichoke risotto. And coming through with a dish that I think would please a lot of people. Cheesy chile grits with sweet taters. Doesn't that sound good? Let's take a closer look at that. So let's see what she has to say about the the um, cheesy chile grits and sweet taters. She says, I love the contrasting flavor the sweet potatoes provide in this dish. If you're not a fan of sweet potatoes, substitute white potatoes or try pinto or black beans for a different flavor experience. Now listen, there's so much more to read in this header, but if you're not familiar with Robin Robertson and this is your first intro, this is what I love about this person so much. She's giving you a, just throw out all these headers. Have you already heard? She's like, if you don't like this, maybe try that. If if you only have this on hand, you can do this instead. She is all about giving you the options. So she sets you up for success in your kitchen. And it's one of the things I love, love, love about her books so much. Your choice of mild or hot chilies will dictate whether this is a mild or spicy dish. Having been raised on polenta, I immediately took a liking to grits when I moved to the South. After all, they're both made from ground dried corn kernels. Look for stone ground grits for the best flavor, like polenta grits. Like polenta, grits can also be enjoyed fried. Simply transfer the cooked grits to a loaf pan or baking dish, smooth the top, cover, and refrigerate until chilled. One of the things I love about polenta, I love that that process of chilling it, and then you have this you know, piece of polenta. Then cut the grits into half-inch thick slices and fry in olive oil or vegan butter until browned. For a more classic way to serve the dish, omit the chilies and sweet potatoes and serve with collard greens and black-eyed peas. 
And really, one, two, three, four, five, six. There's seven ingredients in this. Seven ingredients. Talk about set it and forget it. I love that. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, so now we've got chapter six, and it's everyone's favorite with a title like Pasta for Dinner. Yes, and I say pasta for dinner i'm here for it for lunch and breakfast too pasta always come on give it to me the possibilities are endless some pasta to shake up your daily rotini oh i'm feeling saucy this too shall pasta are we here for it he's all alone can't stop won't stop or hey you mac me smile i can't help myself life without noodles seems impossible okay i'll stop there now will the soups stews and chili and grains and beans chapters boast they boast about 15 plus recipes per chapter the pasta one only has about eight y'all and i want a whole slow cooker book on pasta so robin if you're listening she's probably not but if you're listening that's your next one just a pasta slow cooker book please the eight pastas are pasta with sunday gravy pasta and beans with three or three herbs uh three herbs Ziti with mushroom and bell pepper, ragu, lasagna primavera, artichoke spinach, spinach lasagna, mac and cheesy, chili mac, and pastable, pastable, I'm still stuck in my little puns there, <laughs> and pasta, oh, I cracked myself up, and pasta and vegetable frittata. Let's dig into that frittata on page 146, because I'm a little curious. What is this pasta? Are we making a frittata out of the pasta? Possibilities are endless. The frittata makes, so she says, the frittata makes a satisfying one-dish meal and doesn't take too long to cook. It works best when made in a wide, shallow, slow cooker. Remember, she goes over all the size variations in the beginning. Depending on how shallow your slow cooker is, it can be a little tricky to remove the first wedge of the frittata, but after that, they should come out easily. Feel free to change up the type of vegetables used in this cooked with chopped asparagus, broccoli, and spinach. They're all good choices. Use gluten-free pasta for a a gluten-free recipe. So in this, we've got tofu, vegetable broth, nutritional yeast, cornstarch, onion powder, ground turmeric, black pepper, red bell pepper, mushrooms, scallions, basil, spaghetti, green peas, and uh, a cheese sauce that she makes actually in the staples. So I'm looking here. We're making a base, it looks like, with the tofu. And we're going to saute the vegetables. And then I'm just trying to see if we make, do we put everything? Yeah. It says spread the cooked vegetables evenly in the slow cooker. Add the spaghetti peas and remaining chopped roasted bell pepper. Add the reserved tofu mixture. So when did we put that in? Let's see here huh oh we didn't put in yet so on the top of it we're putting the reserved tofu mixture stirring to combine all of the ingredients then spread the mixture evenly cover and cook on low until the frittata is firm about three hours so this is to me i wouldn't do the pasta in this but i think this is a fun little approach here but to me i would just do the frittata like i'm here for just the frittata and i think she has those in her um uh breakfast chapter that we'll get to but but this is like, a, is it breakfast? Is it dinner? What is it? What are we having? Yes, and we're having both. It's brunch. It's lunch. It's all the things. But it's got pasta and a frittata. So you've got spaghetti and your frittata. I'm curious of your thoughts on that. So if you want to hit me up and let me know, tell me in the comments, what do you think about spaghetti, a spaghetti frittata? How are you feeling about that? Pasta and vegetable frittata, it's called. 
Well, 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 moving right along here. Chapter seven is hearty main dishes like vegetable paella, pulled barbecue jackfruit, Korean bulgogi-inspired jackfruit, hoisin and miso braised tofu, rustic pot pie topped with chive biscuits. So here we are again. Do you see my reaction every time we get to bread on top of one of these? Oh, rustic pot pie topped with chive biscuits. I know this is going to be a winner. It's going to be all of those delicious flavors you love in a pot pie with chive biscuits on top. Like we, we just can't get any better than that. So I need to make that. There's also a topless shepherd's pie, mom style vegan meatloaf. Let's go to page 167 and see what it means by mom style vegan meatloaf. Maybe she'll explain to us here. An old fashioned comfort food, favorite made vegan. So I guess we're just saying it's mom style because it's, it's old fashioned and moms love to make meatloaf, I guess, back in the day. Um, I know my mom made meatloaf. I remember that. You know, what's funny. I'll say about meatloaf too getting a little off topic here. Um, I did not like it when I was not vegan. I was always like, why am I eating this? This is terrible. But then when I went vegan, I sort of became obsessed. I love it. I love it. You make a meatloaf and you've got this hearty, delicious item that you can serve with mashed potatoes and vegetables. It's so good. Put gravy all over it. But really as a non-vegan, I was like, maybe it was just the vegan in me was screaming to come out, but I was always like, why are we eating all this meat mash up together with a bunch of spices? This is nasty. There we go. We just, there, I worked this out therapy on this microphone right now. It was the inner vegan in me saying, what are you doing? Anyway, I, I digress. She says, an old-fashioned comfort food favorite made vegan and in a slow cooker. The delicious loaf bakes in the slow cooker, bakes in quotations, right along with carrots and potatoes. Ooh, I like that. So we've got carrots and potatoes cooking along with it. Add a cooked green vegetable and dinner is served. She's not wrong on that. Sounds delicious. The flavorful glaze makes a sauce unnecessary, but you can serve it with one if you like or just pass the ketchup. Ooh, she does have a nice little glaze in here. It's got ketchup. Vegan Worcestershire sauce, Worcestershire sauce, Dijon, this has ground walnuts. Oh, no, that's inside the meatloaf. Let's see what her, uh... oh, no, it's even easier than that. So her glaze is yellow or brown mustard, sugar, and apple cider vinegar. So that's very easy. And it does sound like it would give a nice uh, tangy sort of um, well-rounded pop of flavor to this. So I am here for it. Now, there's some other ones in this chapter. We got chili potato gratin. Sunday supper strata, layered tortilla pie, sweet, spicy, sweet seitan ribs. She's giving you some seitan ribs in here. Moroccan tempeh and chickpeas with prunes and apricots. Ooh, la la. Slow cooked fajitas. And I did make a couple from this chapter. So I made the tempeh cacciatore, which I think I already talked about here today. I don't know. It's just myself. I'm saying things and not saying things and forgetting what I said, but we'll do our best here. I made the tempeh cacciatore from this book the other day, and I loved it. And I thought cacciatore, for some reason in my brain, I was equating that with a creamy chicken dish my mom used to make as a kid. Maybe my mom just called it cacciatore. Um, but it turns out it's more of a Mediterranean sort of full of veg- veggies and capers. Um, so I was surprised. I was doing all these vegetables, and that's what I needed. I was trying to meal prep for the week, and I was like, oh, I'll do one from here since I'm going to talk about this book. So it, it had like, let me go to the page so I don't um, misdirect here and talk about the wrong thing. But I know it had peppers. It had tomatoes in it. It had, uh, let's see, we had onion, peppers, two kinds of peppers, garlic, mushrooms. We had some tomatoes in there, and then spices like oregano, basil, fennel seed, and red pepper, and then also uh, some capers added in at the end. 
Uh, it calls for red wine too, but she says you can go without it. And I went without it. And what I did at the end of this, um, which she doesn't say to do, but taking a nod from her pasta chapters is I actually tossed in a half pound of gluten-free pasta and I cooked it for maybe 15 minutes in there. And I just sort of kept testing it as I went along to see what the uh, texture of it was and doing a little bite test. And it took like 15 minutes. I think it would take different for any kind of pasta you use in there. Because for example, that mac and cheese that I've mentioned that I have on my Instagram in the Instant Pot or in the, ooh, not Instant Pot, starting to fight here, starting to rumble. Um, in the slow cooker, that was, uh, it takes like 45 minutes to an hour for that pasta to cook all the way through. But that's from beginning, like that's starting the heating process and everything. What I did with this cacciatore is it had simmered for several hours in like, I think six hours in the slow cooker. So by the time it got to adding the pasta, I just put it on high and it started to bubble. So then I threw the pasta in when it bubbled. And then it only needed like 15 minutes. Like it was cooking the pasta. There was enough liquid in there to cook it. I kept stirring. Anyway, point is, with this tempeh cacciatore, I then made it a delicious uh, tempeh cacciatore pasta that I love, love, loved. And actually, as I'm talking about it, I cannot wait to have it for lunch. Um, now, another one in this chapter, in the Hearty Main Dishes chapter, is one that the first one I made from this book that I love. I love it so much. So it said Putinesca pizza. And I was like, what? Pizza? What is she talking about? And it's literally like, depending on the size of your slow cooker, it's like an individual deep dish pizza. I mean, I suppose I probably should share with David, but I've made it several times just for me. Matter of fact, the first time I made it, I got so obsessed with it, I kind of kept making it all week long. I was like, oh, I'm going to make another pizza in a slow cooker. Uh, so it's a really easy crust that comes together. You put it in there, and then you put your toppings on. And this is a Putinesca pizza. Uh, so it has you know, the sort of seasonings we would expect and vegetables we would expect. It's got olives and tomatoes and uh, crushed, crushed tomatoes and uh, capers and parsley and oregano and basil, all those things, right? And I love those things. And I made it like that a couple times. But then I was like, well, heck, I can start making pizza in my slow cooker. So I think once I made just cheese pizza and another one, I made just a vegetable pizza. I was so here for it. I was so excited. So I love this, this Putinesca pizza. And she says, this will make a thick and chewy pizza similar to a deep dish personal pan pizza. Hey, so right on track. She wasn't wrong. That's the kind of pizza you'd get in a restaurant. It will serve two as a main dish. Oops. <laughs> like I said, I probably should have shared. Two as a main dish or four as a side dish. Why make pizza in a slow cooker? You might ask. See page 182 for 10 great reasons provided by my blog readers when I pose the question to them for soy-free, omit the optional cheese sauce, or use a soy-free vegan cheese. So hey, I already read those 10 reasons to you. I knew they would come in handy. Um, uh, so you can go back to the end of this podcast and hear those 10 reasons why slow cooking is fantastic and great. Um, or you can just buy the book. And I'll tell you again, pizza in a slow cooker. I love it. Do I make it all the way? Sure. I still make pizza in my oven, but I love this pizza in a slow cooker. So hopefully you do too. Now, I'm living for chapter nine with a title like Vegetable Love. She mentions mentions in the intro that a slow cooker isn't the best for delicate produce, uh, but it is a great way to prepare potatoes, carrots, parsnips, beets, winter squash, celery, tomatoes, cabbage, and onions. She mentions it's a great way to slow steam or bake vegetables like corn, artichokes, and potatoes during hot summer months when you don't want to turn the oven on, right? So I'm here for it. This is a loaded chapter 
with almost 40 recipes. Can you believe that? Some of these recipes include spice rubbed whole cauliflower, portobello pot roast, yes, citrus braised beets, uh, sweet and sour cabbage, creamy creamed corn, Sicilian style cauliflower, classic ratatouille, green bean casserole, and how listen to that green bean casserole. So you could like on Thanksgiving pop your green beans in the slow cooker. So she's got you covered. See holidays. It really is perfect when you can take one thing out of the oven and sort of just put it in a slow cooker. My cousin back home, she has like 35, 40 people over for Thanksgiving. It's massive. She just puts all the mashed potatoes in a slow cooker. I can never eat it because she doesn't make it vegan. Y'all family will not listen. What can I say? You know, you know, um, stop listening to this podcast. So I'll say it. Make your gosh darn mashed potatoes vegan. Oh, um, and I've tried to talk to her. Anyways, I'm going down a, a little rabbit hole here. I'm trying to see how I can sort of uh, Charlie's Angels the situation the next time I go for Thanksgiving. You know, David and I always just bring our own stuff. And then everybody wants to try it. So I think next year I'll just, I'll just bring, I'm gonna br- I'll, I'll bring my own crock pot of mashed potatoes. Boom. There we go. I just figured out what I'm going to do. Ha ha ha. It is on. So anyways, there's so much in this book. Like I said, where were we? We're at the creamy classic ratatouille just that green bean casserole that's where we we left off you can put that in your slow cooker for the holidays scallop potatoes maple dijon glazed root vegetables chimichurri spaghetti squash how yummy does that sound and an italian style tomatoes and zucchini so much in this book and i'm realizing testing for this book must have taken so long and robin must have had several slow cookers going in her home at once like because that's the only way to get it done and i know the timelines on this publisher, yeah, I'm looking at the publisher now. It's 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 not an easy timeline. It's a tight timeline. So I'm sure she relied on vegetables. She's uh, a recipe she's had for years, but also she had to have had because when I test, I'll test sometimes like six recipes in a day, right? To get to get the first variation down, like a first run testing, I will test a bunch in one day, and I'll take notes all throughout the day, and then when I go back and start fine tuning, I'll start doing it a little slower and like really getting in there and figuring things out. But like when I'm just running, it's a lot at once. So she must have had, I, I bet, this is, this is the question I would have for her. How many slow cookers were running at one time when you were making all of these recipes? Because I know it couldn't have just been one. Um, and speaking of multiple items to make your business run and write a book, I have a great guest coming up here uh, in a few weeks, a uh, couple weeks, Kristen Hong of Hello Nutritarian at Hello Nutritarian, and she has an amazing book called Fridge Love, where she literally talks about organizing your fridge and um, making things healthier for yourself in your fridge and, and the go-tos and all the stuff like that and how the fridges work, like all the science of the refrigerators and the cooling mechanisms and all that. But I said to her in the interview, I said, so be honest, how many refrigerators do you have at home? So I won't give you the answer now. You'll have to come back and listen to that episode with Kristen Hong to find out just how many refrigerators she has in her home. On to the next chapter. It's chapter 11. It's called Don't Forget Dessert. And trust me, with a list like this, you won't. It's going to be impossible. So many yummy things to try in here. Um, And it all sounds just delicious and easy to make, right? We've got applesauce walnut cake, pina colada cake, spiced pumpkin cake, chocolate truffle cake like what are you doing to me chocolate truffle cake like 
that's just, it sounds so decadent and so hard to make, right? But it's not. It's a chocolate truffle cake. And I feel like these are like dump cakes. Have you guys seen that book? There's a book in Walgreens. I'll walk around. There's a woman who literally has a bunch of dump books, dump cookbooks, essentially. So I feel like these must be like dump cakes, right? Where you're just dumping a bunch of stuff in and setting it and forgetting it, which I absolutely love. But let's take a look. Let's let's look one up and see here. We've got the carrot cake with pineapple, page 273. And we're trying to see here if this is sort of a dump it all into a slow cooker and forget it. She says, carrot cake is a personal favorite that I make year round. This is Robin here. And in the summer, I like to use freshly dug carrots from my garden. I want to, I want to cook cake in a slow cooker with Robin Robertson and, and garden with her. Um, and she makes it in a slow cooker so that she doesn't have to heat it up in the kitchen. Genius. This cake can be made either directly in the insert of a four quart round cooker or in the small baking pan, set it inside a six to seven quart low oval cooker. Look at that. Options there. Enjoy it plain or with a light dusting of confectioner's sugar or whip up a cashew cream cheese frosting uh, in the recipe that follows to make this gluten-free use an all-purpose gluten-free flour. So let's see. Place a round piece of parchment paper in. Cut the parchment paper to the side so it fits. Slow cooker. Place a rack or trivet. Lightly oil the paint, a large bulk amount of flour, sugar, baking parcel, and nutmeg. Mix well. And then are we adding the wet? Separate bulk of my carrots, chopped pineapple, reserved pineapple juice, oil. Mix well. Stir something. Wet mixture into the dry mixture. Mix another means blended. Batter too dry. Trans- if you're using the slow cooker, transfer the batter directly into the slow cooker, spreading evenly. Drape a clean towel over the slow cooker. Put the lid on and cook on high until tester inserted in the center cake comes out clean. Okay. So, sort of a dump cake, right? I guess I just wanted to say that one more time. I just think that's a terrible title for a book. Um, maybe that's why Robin is staying away from it. But... It seems pretty much like you dump it in and you get to move along with your day, which I love. I, I, mug cakes? Has anyone tried a mug cake? Mug cake. If you if you can't hear me, if I'm not enunciating. I, ooh, a mug cake. First of all, I love cake. But then I have now discovered the artistry of mug cakes. I've made chocolate protein mug cakes. I've made vanilla fun, funfetti mug cakes. I've made carrot mug cake. Oh, it really is a problem when you really sort of like learn the ins and outs of making a mug cake because you can just make whatever you want. I even thought about making a mug cake ebook because I just got so excited. A single serving of cake? I just love it so much. And it's made in 90 seconds usually in the microwave. Whew, I'm getting all hungry just thinking about it. So there's also bars. Let's get back to the book. There's also bars and crisp cobbler puddings and a variation of apple desserts like baked cran apples, maple rum glaze, slow baked apples, and granola stuffed baked apples. I love it. She also has a warm and fudgy chocolate bread pudding. Bread pudding. Oh, so good. I, there's a couple bread puddings in here and even an orange topped Italian polenta cake. So I love the way she uses different ingredients. You know, we were talking about grits before and now we're talking about uh, polenta cake. She uses different ingredients for different things. She's just a smart gal. Chapter 12 is breakfast and breads. It should be called breakfast and bread. No? Okay. I think it's so interesting. Uh, this is at the end. This chapter is at the end, and publishers always like to push the breakfast to the beginning, so it goes sort of with the flow of people's eating rituals. Uh, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. But this has a slew of lip smacking oatmeal's, like carrot cake oatmeal, p 
PB&J oatmeal. And let's, let's take a closer look at this chocolate oatmeal with raspberries and rose petals. Now, listen, I'm not one I'm big in the ro- using the rose. So I'm very curious. Is she just sprinkling rose petals over the top or is she putting rose extract in? So she says, who says oatmeal can't be special? This one is all dressed up for Valentine's Day, but can be enjoyed anytime you want a treat for breakfast. Look for a good trade dried rose petals in specialty markets online to make this gluten-free. Use certified gluten-free rolled oats. So let's check this out. What does she do here? With It says dried rose petals. So we're sprinkling um, serve hot topped with your choice of maple syrup, raspberries, chocolate chips, cacao nibs, and or rose petals. So I thought it was going to be more of an immersion of rose in it, but it really is sort of a sprinkling. That is cute for Valentine's Day. I love that journey. Um, making maybe breakfast and bread for some Bre- breakfast and bread, breakfast and bed for somebody. Sprinkle some dried rose petals on it. That'll be really cute. Now there's a French toast pudding. We got that breakfast polenta we talked about. Pumpkin breakfast quinoa. Sausage and scramble casserole. Greek frittata. And even a pumpkin chocolate chip bread and berry banana bread. Look at that. Use up those bananas that are near death. Near death's doorstep. Let me tell you, there were some sitting behind me on the counter that you can't see now if you're watching the video. I had to move them because they were just... They were shaming me a little. I was embarrassed. David keeps saying he's going to make banana bread, but it hasn't happened yet. And I'm all about using up your bananas when they start to go real ripe for banana bread. But you kind of got to do it at a certain point because if not, then you're just ending up with like some bananas that are chemically not okay. And I think that's where these bananas are at this point. But um, I said, David, are you going to do that? He said, well, I was, but now you're going to set up the podcast in the kitchen. So not right now. So I'll see what happens after this when he comes home. Anyway, we've got a hot drinks chapter for you. This is chapter 13, which I think must be so nice when you're entertaining, right? Uh, Because you've just got beverages in a big punch bowl, essentially, and it's sort of festive and neat, right? Because it's not what people are used to. So I think it's a nice unexpected touch to have for your guests. But she's got hot beverages in here like hot sangria, celebration punch, hot and spicy Virgin Mary sipper, Mexican hot chocolate, Hot white chocolate and vanilla spiced chai. Love that vanilla spiced chai. And the last chapter is chapter 14. It's titled, Not From the Crock. And it features some staple recipes that might be paired with or useful with recipes made in the, in the crock pot. Items like cashew cream, cheesy sauce, mushroom gravy, almond parm, soy-free soy sauce. I love that she has that in here. I've been doing so much work with allergens this last year to see a soy-free soy sauce really excites me. Uh, tofu, chorizo, and tempeh bacon. She has you covered with so many slow cooker recipes and some staples to elevate them as well. So really, uh, that is... The plant-based slow cooker, my friends, 225 super tasty vegan recipes. Now, I'm going to be real honest about this, okay? There are no pictures. So that may take this off of your buying list immediately. But what's interesting about a book with no pictures, um, it does not mean bad recipes. And so many people sort of uh, go down that road or they're not interested because there's not a picture to show you how the finished item is going to be done. Um, obviously it's Robin Robertson. It's full of nothing but amazing recipes. So I can, after cooking many things she has written, I can fully attest to that. And I stand behind that and including things from here. I love the recipes from here. And like, as I've gone through this, I can't, I want to make every cake in that chapter. 
I want to make all the soups. That miso potato soup. Are you kidding me? I cannot wait to make that. I'm so excited to make it. I've got that cacciatore waiting in my fridge that I cannot wait to have for lunch right now. So um, it really is a great book when you're just trying to cook, get some stuff on the table. And like I said, I even used it for meal prep. There's so many ideas in here to really make use of plant-based items and vegetables. So don't scoff at it just because it doesn't have pictures, especially a slow cooker book. It doesn't need pictures. The thing is that people don't understand is when you make room for pictures, you lose room for recipes. So it's a contract you have with the publisher. You decide, they decide, and you decide together, you negotiate how many pictures are going to be in. How many words do you have per page? So then as you're writing a recipe, you're like, well, if I go over this word count, that's now suddenly going to be a two-page recipe, right? So there's all of those uh, elements sort of flying around when you're you're writing a book. So for something like this, I love that it doesn't have pictures because it's almost just like a little encyclopedia for me to be like, I'm going to cook something from a slow cooker. Oh my gosh, let me turn to the index in the back and see. I've got these three ingredients. Let me see if there's something for black beans in there. And then we know that there is, right? So I love books uh, without pictures just as much as I love books with pictures, but I wanted to make sure that I told you about that. I think this book is great for people who love slow cookers. I think this book is great for vegans who are seasoned in cooking and just want a little variation and maybe something easier to attack on weeknights. And I think this book is perfect for anyone curious of vegan cooking, which we love books like that. So you can learn more about Robin and get more of her recipes at robinrobertson.com. And on Instagram, she's at Vegan Without Borders, though I haven't seen her be as active on there. The last post, actually, when I looked this up was 2019, when she released her Vegan Mac and Cheese book, which is one we will go over. And I highly recommend. I love it. Uh, it's I think it's just called Vegan Mac and Cheese by Robin Robertson. Uh, I love it so much. And let me tell you, there was a time Robin and I shared the same literary agent. And... At that time, I was working on, I think, the first Epic Vegan. And in my brain, I was thinking, what's like my next? What could be the next one after this that sort of is aligned with it, but like is something different? And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to do a vegan mac and cheese book. I can't believe. And then literally, I got Robin Robertson's vegan mac and cheese book in the mail. And I was like, just kidding, not going to do that. Um, but I love it. It's a fantastic book. I got, a, I got another idea along those lines in my brain that I'd like to write one day. Not mac and cheese, but anyway, I'll save it for another time. She does seem to be very active on her Facebook. I don't know about very, but more active than Instagram on her Facebook. So if you're looking for some inspo from Lady Ro Robertson, be sure to visit her at robinrobertson.com. And then, of course, you can also find her on Facebook, too, and get more from her there. Go out and get the plant-based slow cooker everywhere books are sold. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode of Keep On Cooking. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review if you like the podcast. It helps a lot. Yeah. And get more information on the podcast, Dustin's Cookbooks, the Vegan Roadie series, and sign up for our newsletter at veganroadie.com. And of course, follow us at The Vegan Roadie on all social media platforms. Now get in the kitchen and keep on cooking. And hey, remember, it's nice to be nice. <laughs> This has been a Muzzy Cat production. <laughs>